Welcome to the Government Technology Insider podcast series. I'm your host, Matt Langan. The hybrid cloud has risen in prominence in the government arena, and rightly so. It offers a wide range of benefits, including enhanced cost savings to making overall IT modernization efforts less complex for government agencies. And today we're speaking with Dave Pipes, who's the Senior Solutions Architect at Apigen, and Rich Ayala, who's the Master Principal Cloud Architect at Oracle, more about this topic. And Dave and Rich, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, thanks Matt. Yeah, it's great to have you both. And let's just start at the top. If you don't mind, tell us about the hybrid cloud and how it's bringing innovation to the public sector. And we'll start with Dave on this one. So in my opinion, for an organization that's adding cloud to their operations domains, hybrid cloud, which is a combination of on-prem and on-cloud applications and environments, Hybrid cloud can be a bridge to move data and applications from one environment to the other. And that allows the two environments to coexist working together. And that means a more incremental approach to cloud adoption. The innovation here is that by adopting hybrid cloud computing and services, the organization will avoid creating silos that separate the management of on-prem and cloud environments. And that adds to the speed of response and adoption for new capacity, as well as new applications and technologies. So there's a whole lot of benefits from combining your on-prem and cloud environments in various ways. And I'm sure Rich has some more to tell us about capabilities for that. So yeah, it's bringing innovation to public sector in so many ways. I think the first thing is, you know, Dave touched on it. There's a much higher degree of agility than we've had in the past with just on-premise options. So, you know, a lot of agencies, you know, they want to try cloud without making a huge upfront investment or long-term commitment. You know, they want to continue to rely on their on-premise technology, but leverage capabilities in the cloud, as Dave mentioned. And they want to extend their on-premise capacity footprint into the cloud. And they might also want to use several cloud providers, cherry picking the best services among the cloud providers that meets their specific needs. So hybrid cloud enables all that, right? So I think there's, four different ways innovation can be realized and the lowest hanging fruit, I think the first one is extending on-premise technologies with the use of PaaS services. So that can be done through things like platform as a service capabilities like chatbots, integration across applications within something like integration cloud, analytics, machine learning, and identity management. So in all of those cases, the systems in the application remain on-premise but they can leverage new cloud-based capabilities where they add value and improve efficiencies you know, by leveraging these PaaS services. So for instance, with HCM or ERP applications, chatbots can be used to improve the interaction with customers and employees. Again, the application stays on premise. With integration services, they can run up in the cloud using pre-built adapters and they can be deployed to improve sharing information between applications and databases. And with analytics, data visualization, machine learning, you know, that data can be imported from on-premise operational systems into these powerful, you know, ready-to-use cloud services. So a couple other pieces of innovation or ways of achieving innovation. So, you know, again, keeping in the vein of technology being on-premise and leveraging the cloud, disaster recovery to the cloud is an innovative and very cost-effective approach to add resiliency to agencies on-premise system. You know, when using a secondary customer data center 
for DR. If you're following best practices, it really requires a production size set of servers and storage to support the production size workloads if you ever need to run production in DR. But with cloud, a smaller, less expensive environment could be pre-provisioned in the cloud that's syncing all the time with the on-premise environment, and that can be quickly scaled to meet production load requirements in the event there's a disaster. And then in using global DNS traffic management policies, on-premise traffic can be quickly and even automatically pointed to the DR infrastructure in the cloud. And just like DR, there's many agencies that are doing backup to the cloud to reliable, inexpensive storage over private networks, provision virtual private networks. Storage in the cloud can be one-tenth the cost of on-premise storage. The days of expensive storage arrays are kind of past us. We can get reliable, inexpensive storage in the cloud. And many backup vendors, they've enhanced their product to use cloud storage as a backup target. And you know, a lot of agencies, they have extremely large on-premise tape silos that are used for backup. They're very expensive to maintain. And there's a constant churn of upgrading and refreshing tape that's very cumbersome and labor intensive. And then there's also capabilities that exist to automatically move these cloud-based backups that first go to object storage to an archive tier of storage through lifecycle policies. And archive storage is even less expensive than object storage. And then the third innovation is dev test in the cloud. So, you know, as we know, it's been mentioned, one of the advantages of cloud is cost reduction, as well as to quickly provision and scale. A lot of agencies no longer want to be in the data center business. And as Dave mentioned, they want to move, you know, gradually in a phased approach to cloud. So the combination of cloud-based infrastructure as a service and services such as databases as a service, there's no way they can be matched on-premise in terms of cost reliability and operational simplification. And then you add to those benefits the fact that cloud providers offer formal SLAs and automated security. It makes the proposition of cloud very compelling. So back to development and testing, why have expensive dedicated servers and storage or development environments or virtual machining containers, they're repeatedly deployed and torn down anyway. So, you know, you can use cloud and the ability to deploy containerized images from an image repository using tools such as Kubernetes and Docker with a CI-CD pipeline, and they're all available as serverless services in the cloud. So my last example of innovation is, you know, what everybody used to use the term bursting. It's not used as much these days, but it's still the same concept where on-premise workloads need additional capacity, you know, whether it's the, whatever tier it is, the application or data tier, and that capacity can be provisioned, um, effectively extending the on-premise capacity in the cloud. So that gives a lot of agility to federal agencies. Now, of course, to do this, as well as the disaster recovery and backup to cloud examples, the agency has to have already established a private virtual circuit between their data center and the cloud provider. But these days, it's actually surprisingly inexpensive to have a virtual circuit provision between the cloud and an agency data center. And I've even seen cases where agencies have used VPN for production. So all of these are examples of innovation where the primary technology footprint remains on premise, but public cloud is being leveraged to improve and extend the application or the infrastructure capabilities using hybrid cloud. Okay, great. Excellent insights there from both of you. And, and 
Putting on a lens in terms of looking towards the future, how do you see the hybrid cloud continuing to shape the future of government overall? And again, we'll start with Dave on that one. Well, as hopefully has been made clear, hybrid cloud is a functional bridge between traditional data centers and cloud services. And so it's not going to go away. I believe it'll be the default mode of operation for most government organizations for the next decade or more because very few organizations can commit to either cloud or on-prem completely in the federal government. This means that federal organizations need to carefully consider the costs of both solutions when bringing new services online. And this is especially true of data egress costs from the cloud. Hybrid cloud can change the economics of doing both on-prem and cloud environments, and it'll be a new normal for federal customers as they adopt cloud services over the next few years. Rich, what do you think? Yeah, so I think the best way to describe how hybrid cloud is shaping the future is with a recent example of how the U.S. Health and Human Services, in working with Oracle, quickly deployed a suite of applications where, you know, they had to quickly respond to COVID, right? So these new applications share data across HHS, the CDC, and other agencies. So in the interest of time, let me quickly read some of the capabilities that these systems perform. So the integrated electronic health record system with real-time geographical analytics, and that tied together patients, pre-existing conditions, medications, and that clinical data was then mined and analyzed to determine the efficacy of these vaccines, right, that are all out now and everybody's getting them. Hopefully, they also built a system to survey populations with questions around contact with other COVID patients, self-reported symptoms, their behaviors, results from at-home test kits, to drive analytics to help predict future outbreaks and who might be eligible for stuff like clinical trials or plasma donation. And then, as everyone kind of is talking about right now, proof of vaccination for patients, right, where the vaccination record can be, you know, The system that was developed, the vaccination record, can be recalled via QR code, and that system can easily scale and actually manage the entire U.S. population and serve as a national database that can be fully integrated with TSA, the airlines, you know, and other agencies once the government is ready to use it, of course. You know, and a couple other systems that I quickly want to mention was, you know, streaming vaccine data to the CDC a system to order and track vaccine doses, record adverse reactions, and tracking patient experience and efficacy for monoclonal antibody infusion monitoring. So all these systems are going to be in place for the next 10 years at HHS. And Oracle's involvement was actually just cited in the most recent edition of New England Journal of Medicine. So without these new systems and the agility that hybrid cloud provided, to collect and analyze and, and exchange and disseminate disseminate that data, you know, I wonder where we'd be in the fight against COVID, right? So absolutely phenomenal results in the use of hybrid cloud, right? So I, I think that's a great example. One other thing that comes to mind around hybrid cloud and how it's going to shape the future of government, you know, obviously security and privacy of data is foremost in any agency that's considering adopting, you know, cloud. Now, newly introduced capabilities such as low-cost data encryption over high-speed virtual circuits, that allows agencies to you know, easily extend their on-premise networks to the cloud. But typically, encryption introduces latency due to the overhead of the encryption protocols on the network traffic. 
these new encryption and network capabilities that you know are, are pretty new to the market provide data encryption at line rate speeds, meaning the encryption of overhead is greatly reduced and almost eliminated. So this along with encryption of data at rest provides the highest levels of security and privacy and customers can also bring their own crypto keys and store them in a secure virtual key vault in the cloud. So these new security capabilities and the efficiency of encryption now um, with the low latency allows you know, agencies to adopt cloud and create hybrid cloud architectures. That's excellent. Thank you so much. And some wonderful examples there. And let's dive in a little bit more on the use cases side. Any additional use cases that can be shared today? And we'll go with Rich on this one. Yeah, sure. Um, so in addition to the HHS, HHS um, use case I kind of mentioned, there's several you know, other excellent use cases where customers have implemented in Oracle Government Cloud. Um, first, let me say all services that are deployed into Oracle Government Cloud are all FedRAMP high authorized or impact level five for Department of Defense workload. Nothing goes into the Government Cloud that's not already FedRAMP high, unlike other cloud providers. And we also don't apply an upcharge for services in our government cloud, unlike other cloud providers. So, okay, so now the use cases. So the first use case, let's see, I've got four of them, so, so bear with me. The first use case is an organization that promotes international financial stability, monetary cooperation, and international trade. So this agency deployed a VMware-based disaster recovery environment in the cloud. And that supports native VMware capabilities, identical to what they run, run on premise. So there's no retraining or architectural changes required and simply an extension of their on-premise VMware farm into the cloud. And Oracle service is the only FedRAMP high authorized VMware service that's offered by any major cloud providers today. The other intriguing aspect of this use case is that when customers are connected to and moving VMware VMs into and out of the cloud, and that goes for any data that's you know, being moved over hybrid cloud between on-premise and the cloud, and the customer is using our Fast Connect service, which connects on-premise, typical use case for Fast Connect is connecting on-premise to the cloud. There's no ingress or egress fees whatsoever, right? Dave had touched on egress fees. so. You know, egress fees with other cloud providers could be substantial. And, you know, having a low cost, effective, encrypted solution of moving data and configurations into the and out of the cloud, whether it's backup data or DR traffic over Fast Connect at no charge is, is you know, amazing, right? Um, and this same agency is also doing disaster recovery to the cloud with our Exadata cloud service. Um, as you know, as many people you know, hopefully know, Exadata has been one of Oracle's most popular products over the years, as the fastest platform to run Oracle databases on premise. And here, that same agency is also using Exadata cloud service as a disaster recovery target. The second use case is an agency that's responsible for the stewardship of the nation's ocean resources, and they've moved several custom Oracle Application Express apps in a lift and shift approach without any application changes, while maintaining their Jenkins-based continuous integration and continuous development environment on premise. By the way, Application Express or Apex is a low-code rapid development tool that works great with Oracle databases. And they're also using our database cloud service for those same applications to automate patching, backup, provisioning, and overall management. The third use case is an agency that provides independent scientific advice 
to inform governmental policy. And they're using public cloud for their enterprise identity management and single sign-on for their on-premise and third-party cloud applications, as well as enterprise data integration and content management in the cloud for their on-prem applications. So you can see in this case, you know, they've got some things in the cloud, they got some things on-premise, and they're picking the, the best service, um, you know, to, to you know, enable uh, transformation and, and, you know, in this case, single sign-on identity management, you know, across that hybrid cloud. And probably the most compelling use case, my last one, is a fourth estate agency for the Department of Defense, where they performed the lift and shift of the largest Oracle Enterprise business suite that was in use in the Department of Defense. And there they federated their entire uh, enterprise identity services, but again, between cloud and on-premise. And this DOD agency serves over 740,000 personnel that make up the DOD workforce. And so far, they've realized the 99.99% uptime. So, you know, these real-world implementations that are running in production in the Oracle Government Cloud, I think, really demonstrate what's possible with hybrid cloud and do so in a, you know, a secure, reliable, and performant fashion. Yeah, very much so, Rich. Thanks for those insights there. Those are some wonderful examples. And for our last question, let's dive in a little bit further on the Oracle side. So any insights, you know, in, when it comes to specific Oracle solutions that you want to highlight today? Sure. So, so I already mentioned the Oracle VM cloud service. Um, you know, a couple new things have been introduced into, into the government cloud for Oracle. One is called the Oracle Roving Edge Infrastructure. It's an edge solution that comes with ruggedized military standard, high density mix of clustered compute and storage. And that can support really high performance workloads at the edge, right? So this can be used with existing virtual machines and object storage, and you can sync these edge devices to the Oracle Cloud. So the use cases for these devices include application containers, database operations and analytics at the edge, as well as disconnected locations where you know, you're closer to the source of the data so you can get faster results. Um, and those roving edge devices use the same cloud portal and tenancy tooling as the Oracle Gov Cloud. Um, so for the next Oracle-specific solution, of course, Oracle started as a data management company. So we have several deployment models for both Oracle Database as well as MySQL. And I just want to mention, by the way, other databases such as Postgres and others can be run in Oracle Cloud as well. But you know, specifically for the Oracle Database customers that are out there, you know, we have a database cloud service that automates a lot of the operational aspects of the database that could run on virtual machine or bare metal servers. It supports real application clusters and data guard, which is our high availability and disaster recovery solution. And by the way, you know, rack and data guard, when you manage those and install those, it's rather complex, but that's all been automated, the provisioning of that, so you can deploy it and manage it through the cloud console, making it much more simpler to deploy and manage. I mentioned Exadata Cloud Service out there. It's, you know, it's great for the, you know, a very high performance requirements for the Oracle database, or it's a great consolidation platform for a fleet of databases. So that's available in the cloud. And then for the highest levels of automation, reliability, and security, Autonomous databases are newest serverless database service, and that can self-tune indexes and SQL plans using machine learning, which is pretty amazing. It can self-scale, it uses automatic compression, automatically encrypt it, 
automatic backup, rolling patching, and recovers from any failure and has a formal availability service level agreement of 99.95, and that's only available as a cloud service. So remember, you know, data can be exchanged between on-premise and these database services you know, to take advantage or to try out some of these database services. And again, that data transfer is free if you're going over FastConnect. Again, that's unique in the market. We also have our cloud customer deployment where you can run your cloud services on hyper-converged infrastructure called dedicated regions on your premise behind your firewall. And we just came out with a data science service that helps scientists build, train, and deploy machine models in the cloud. Um, so a, a few other things about Oracle Cloud infrastructure, right? Oracle's cloud. So in terms of openness and choice, you have your choice of programming languages, your choice of open source development frameworks. As I mentioned before, your choice of databases, security and system management frameworks. You can use our serverless services or bring your own favorite framework. We have a serverless Kubernetes engine as well as an image repository. We support Terraform and Ansible infrastructure as code. And we also support you know, Hadoop, Kafka, and AI and machine learning services, including NVIDIA, TensorFlow, Jupyter, Conda, and Plotly, among others, for those that are in the machine learning area. And underlying all of these services at a foundational level, with our Gen 2 cloud, we had to meet you know, architectural principles that were set with our second generation cloud. We call it Gen 2 since we have engineered our cloud differently than the competition. We offer the most secure, highest performing, and most cost-effective cloud in the market today. You know, all cloud providers offer availability SLAs, but Oracle is the only major cloud provider to offer performance SLAs and manageability SLAs. And these are formal, financially impacting SLAs. I mean, if you can't meet your defined performance levels or your ability to manage the cloud at any time, you can't rely on those services. So it's important to understand that you know, having formal SLAs in all three areas is a differentiator, quite frankly. We also use off-box virtualization through software-defined network, and that really changed the game in terms of security and performance. We removed the hypervisor from the server stack to eliminate hyperjacking. Hyperjacking is a way to move laterally in the network if the hypervisor on one server has been compromised, right? So it's isolating and containing any type of vulnerabilities and potential hacking, right? By using the, the off-box virtualization. And we also have a maximum of two hops between compute and storage, and our cloud rides over a remote direct memory access over converged ethernet, we call it Rocky. It's getting a little technical, but it offers a 1.5 microsecond latency between components, which is part of the reason why we can offer a performance SLA, right? And this type of innovation with our Gen 2 cloud is unheard of on other clouds, right? So we do a number of things with advanced engineering with our storage computing networks, again, to provide the highest performance, security, and reliability of any major cloud provider. And oh, by the way, our list prices are typically 40 to 50% less than competing cloud providers. We have a bring your own license option for bringing existing Oracle licenses to the cloud. And in terms of a procurement model for government, we now offer an option called funded allocation where you're not obligated to any upfront dollar commitment. You, you subscribe to the cloud and you pay for what you use. So I hope in general, this gives you a good feel of the innovations and use cases that we're seeing in the public sector. 
Hybrid cloud, as Dave has said, you know, has been and will continue to be the on-ramp for many agencies to cloud. So, you know, it's going to be a real enabler for change and transformation for public sector. So overall, thanks for your time and attention. And that wraps up my response to that question. Excellent. And this concludes this Government Technology Insider podcast interview where Dave Pipes, who's the Senior Solutions Architect at Apigen, and Rich Ayala, who's the Master Principal Cloud Architect at Oracle, discussed how the hybrid cloud is really shaping the future of government IT as we know it. And Dave and Rich, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you for having us, Matt.